Greetings, Seamheads, far and wide. Happy Monday. It is February 19th. Here in the Mile High City, it is a balmy 22 degrees. Just a beautiful day to layer. It's a beautiful day because players are reporting. That's Benny Bash. I am Casey Light. This is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just a half block from Coors Field with 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Tap 14, your game day destination for Colorado Rockies baseball. Benny, we joke, but it is a beautiful day. Uh, Despite the weather in Denver, Colorado, down in Scottsdale, things are perfect and position players have reported The Rockies have their first full team workout today. Baseball games start on Friday, but I know you're just a little disappointed because you did not get your camp invite. I did not get my 36 years in a row. I have not gotten my camp invite. My dad lied to me. (laughs) Well, if it's any consolation, I did not get mine either. Uh, With... Position players reporting with that first team practice today. Uh, We're going to look in today's podcast at a few of the positions that we still feel are question marks for the Colorado Rockies. There was a little bit of news. We won't call it action. We'll just call it sort of rumblings, if you will, uh, about a couple of positions this weekend. Uh, But to me, it's a time to also sit back and read the tea leaves because as folks are down in Scottsdale getting ready for this season, getting ready for pitchers, uh, sorry, pitchers and catchers have already reported getting ready for position players to come in. We started to see some what I call spin coming out. Uh, we started to see some reports coming out of Rockies camp that might give us some indication as to where things are going. So that's what we all have ahead in the Blake Street Irregulars podcast. Again, that is Benny Bash. He is host of Morning Mayhem on Mile High Sports, AM 1340, FM 1047, every morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. alongside Danny Williams. I am Casey Light, general manager here at Mile High Sports. Uh, Benny, it's, it's a great time of year because that optimism floweth over, especially at Coors Field, uh, especially among the Rockies faithful. Everybody is really looking forward to what could be this season, but there are some major, major question marks uh, on this roster, specifically with two players who used to be on this roster, uh, guys who have contributed significantly over the last couple of years, and that's Carlos Gonzalez and Mark Reynolds. Uh, We entered last year knowing that, uh, being 2017, we entered 2017 knowing that it was Carlos Gonzalez contract year he was up at the end of the year there was a good chance that maybe the Rockies could go their separate ways with Carlos Gonzalez depending on how some players developed in the outfield obviously David Dahl's injury last year an injury that kept him out the entire season has really complicated that we know the Rockies would love to get Dahl into the mix in a starting full-time position this year but they don't know that they can depend on his well and that's been enough yeah that's that's been the problem with with Dahl his entire career right With Carlos Gonzalez having a very down year in 2017, he came around late, uh, but was very, very down by his standards in 2017. We really have this sort of chicken and egg situation going on where, boy, the Rockies don't want to break the bank on a guy like Cargo to bring him back. Um, He's yet to take a deal anywhere else. But boy, can you really feel confident in David Dahl? Well, the the thing with David Dahl is it's just injuries, and it's not the way he swings. It's not the way he plays. 
it's legitimate injury concern that you have with his body. And so, you know, is it something where he's gained strength and he'll be just fine? You, you've seen baseball players do that before. You've seen baseball players, you know, early on, they're they're going through a 162-game season, they get banged up, and then all of a sudden their body starts to catch up to the conditioning. Is it something of that nature? Or is it something where, have you ever heard anybody who used to have a bad back? No. Because once you have a bad back, you always have a bad back. So you want to see Dahl. He's a very fluid player. He's got one of the prettiest swings probably in the Rockies organization as far as how they teach you coming up. You know, it's just A to Z, just pretty. Um, and and you, you know he's going to be a, a fantastic athlete. On the flip side, you were talking about Cargo. Last season, 34 doubles. That's a good number. 14 home runs. That's down. And 57 RBIs, that's obviously down. You have Cargo Gonzalez sitting here, who used to be a staple, him and Tulowitzki, of the Colorado Rockies. Literally a guy who, when he hits the ball, sounds differently. Okay, there's there's a couple guys when you close your eyes and the ball hits off the bat and it just sounds like an absolute gunshot going through like a 308. It's just bam. And it's, you know, Giancarlo Stanton is one of those guys. Cargo is one of those guys. And so you say, do you not want Cargo on this team anymore? The, 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 the inner Rocky, you know, the inner fan in me says, hell yes, you want this guy on the team. But you look at the production, you look at the dip kind of, you know, going down over time and you say, okay, maybe it's better that you move on. Now you have Para too with his injury and you say, okay, what's going on there? You're going to have to, while it looks deep in the outfield, it's a long season. A cargo is not a bad thing. Yeah, you mentioned Gerardo Parra and that injury. We'll touch on that very, very quickly. Um, effectively, uh, Parra had an injury in his in his hand uh, to a wrist bone that doctors have deemed extraneous. <laughs> yes. And uh, rather than uh, worrying about surgery um, to to try and repair that, they literally just remove the bone. Uh, they say it's a four to six week injury, so he should be back uh, really right around the end of March, which is going to give us you know right right at the start of the season. But that's also going to mean limited reps for him. Uh, at least in the early part, they're hoping and they're optimistic that it might be more in the two to four week time window uh, because Para is relatively healthy, uh, at least in that part of his body. We know he had the injury uh, a couple years ago uh, in the leg injuries, uh, but they're hoping that he's going to be uh, able to come back. So you're going to pencil in Gerardo Parra into one of those spots. We were talking about cargo, and you said the numbers were down, and I want to dive a little bit into those numbers because uh, when when you say they were down, they, they were actually sizably down for for cargo for a guy of, of his stature you're talking about a former batting champion a three-time all-star uh carlos gonzalez let's not forget will only be 33 this year and i know for guys you and i that are both in our 30s we sit there and go well boy we we feel that that's starting to get up there because we feel those same you know aches and pains those same creaks but we're also not major league athletes we're not professional athletes and and Watching Cargo last year, you know, obviously something was off. Something was off, and, and especially at the plate. First half, just a 221 batting average. Second half, uh, although he played in 12 fewer games uh, and significantly fewer starts, um, 70 starts in the first half compared to 56, he still hit 314. So he bounced back in that second half. Um, his at-bats were lower, only 207 um, compared to 263, so a little smaller sample size, uh, but, but still 
still enough to say, hey, there's some cargo left in cargo. Um, really, the, the the bad months that he had, April and March, uh, the early part of the season, uh, he had 216, 255 in May, and then June was just abysmal, a 172 average for cargo. Uh, we saw some signs of slowdown in the field as well. And I know, you know, I would watch games last year, whether it was home or or on the road, uh, you'd see Cargo and he wasn't getting the same quick explosive breaks. So he was still making plays. He was, you know, but oftentimes they took a little bit of extra effort. He was diving for a ball as opposed to, you know, catching a ball on the run. Um, and, and those were some things that concerned me. Obviously, a guy like Carlos Gonzalez isn't going to get a big money deal, but can the Rockies still get something done with Cargo at this point? I think, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're looking at this, I mean, this is late in that the offseason year, and so he still hasn't taken it. For me, if you read between the lines, it looks like he still wants to be a Rocky. Unless one of these other teams jumps up there and just pays, you know, astronomic price and says, you know, welcome to Boston or welcome to New York. That's kind of that's kind of the cat and mouse game that you're playing right now. But yeah, I think plug cargo into this lineup. Imagine if you could get old cargo for three months. Okay, you literally have Charlie Blackman, who was second in major leagues last year behind Altuve for batting average. And then you have DJ LeMahieu and Nolan Arenado, who were 12th and 13th. That's three guys in batting average in the top 20 in major leagues and throw cargo into that lineup, plus some of your younger talent. And all of a sudden you have a lineup that's not a small market roster. That's that's a Yankee roster right there. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and here's the difficulty. There's there's several layers of difficulty with cargo, and we will note that, that Jeff Breidich did tell MLB Network Radio recently uh, the Rockies have kept in touch with Gonzalez. Uh, they've had conversations. There are some things that are preventing them from making a deal, things on both sides. Right. Uh, cargo obviously wants some long-term security because, as we mentioned, he is just going to be 33. He's 32 now. He'll turn 33 uh, during the course of the season. But given Major League Baseball, there's still some life there. I'm sure the Rockies have some hesitation because they have guys like Rymel Tapia, like David Dahl, uh, some of these bodies coming up in uh, in the minors that they think can contribute and maybe not cost them 10 plus million dollars a year, which you have to expect Carlos Gonzalez might still be wanting, hoping for, you know, he, he and his agent probably pointing at a down, you know, half year, really, not even a, a down full year and saying that's not reason to dock a guy all the way down to the three, four million dollar a year range. Uh, but clearly those offers aren't coming in elsewhere. So uh, we'll have to keep an eye on how that's going to play out. But I think the other piece of this puzzle is at some point, the Rockies will have to turn the page on who's the leader in their clubhouse. And, and we've talked about this on the podcast, and it's really, quite honestly, is going to continue to be, uh, to me, at the forefront of every Rockies conversation, is how does Jeff Breidich and how does Bud Black envision the future of this clubhouse? Cargo has held the corner locker where he has basically been the king of that clubhouse. Sure. Uh, really, even, you say since Troy Tulowitzki left, but it was really before that. Um, for anybody who was in and out of that clubhouse, it, it was easy to see, you know, who was truly the guy sort of uh, leading the pack. And, and it was Cargo for all those years. I know they want to turn the reins over to Nolan Arenado at some point, but they're also looking at that huge payday and going, boy, is this really something that we can afford to do long term? Because Arenado likely is going to be in the $400 million range, at least $350 plus. We know that. Uh, so there's some really tough decisions, not just about the on-field makeup of this club, but also how they're going to look in the clubhouse. And bringing Cargo back, whether it be on a one or a two or a three-year deal, 
delays passing of that torch. So, so there's some complications there for sure. Uh, you mentioned that, that Cargo, you know, probably wants to stick with the Rockies. I think Cargo wants to go where he's going to get paid the most. Uh, but one guy who did outright say that his first choice would be is Mark Reynolds. He wants the Colorado Rockies to re-sign him. He's had success over the last couple of years. He knows they have some question marks at first base. Um, he has said outright he wants to be a Rocky again this year. Uh, what is preventing the Colorado Rockies in your mind from going out and getting Mark Reynolds a, a deal done with Mark Reynolds? Well, it's the, the consistency and also the fact that you have some young talent that's behind him that you could maybe put in over there. Also, you, you know, you made some acquisitions last year to quote unquote, fix your first base issue. And then Mark Reynolds ends up being the guy. Uh, Mark Reynolds is, is an interesting, he's an enigma, uh, because if Mark Reynolds can produce like he did last year, absolutely, yeah, you you plug that in. But is that a thing that can can last over time? I don't know. I don't know who Mark Reynolds is. Well, and that's what I was saying all last year because everybody was on this. You know, you know, be like Mark, vote for Mark. Let's yeah. get Mark to the to the All Star game. And and granted, he did have an incredibly strong first half last year. But I kept warning and cautioning, guys. Mark Reynolds is still Mark Reynolds. He's going to start striking out more often. He's going to lose the power numbers. He's going to give you empty at bats. And, and we did see that as the season. War on Reynolds age showed the guy who led the league in strikeouts countless times started to surface, although much improved uh, over what we saw from him in his first two years with the Rockies. Uh, he definitely was better in 2017 on the whole. But like you said, which Mark Reynolds is going to show up is Mark Reynolds of the first half of 2017 going to show up or is Mark Reynolds that we saw in 2016, you know, for the middle part of the season where we're just seeing, you know, hollow at bat after hollow at bat. Uh, I mentioned at the front end of the podcast about reading the tea leaves because this is the time of year where we start to see, you know, similar like we see in Broncos country with these training camp darlings come out, right? The same thing happens in spring training where we start to see these stories being pushed on us of, oh, pay attention to this guy or watch this sure. person. You know, we didn't see it last year with the breakout of Antonio Sensatella until really very late, but we're already starting to see some names being pushed on us here in 2018. Uh, the first among those is, Another first baseman, Ryan McMahon. McMahon, who is 23 years old, uh, was really solid in double A AA and triple A last year, hit 355, 20 home runs, and 88 RBI combined. Uh, they are already starting to push Ryan McMahon as the first baseman for this year. In fact, he's sitting atop the depth chart. Is that something just to try and motivate Ian Desmond, whom Bud Black has said over and over again, is going to get looks at first base? Is that something to try and put pressure on Mark Reynolds? What is your take on, on putting Ryan McMahon, who we saw briefly last year, and we saw struggle quite a bit, although in a very, very limited sample size, but really, really struggle when he was up with the big club. What is that telling you about the Desmond situation and the Reynolds situation? Well, as far as Desmond and Reynolds goes, I think this is, this is an addition for depth where you don't have to rely on Ian Desmond in the infield whatsoever. You move him back out of the outfield. You have him as your utility guy, and you, you add depth if this works out. The Reynolds thing, what this does for Reynolds, is this is uh, this is leverage. This is 100% leverage, in my opinion. You look at a young kid coming up through the ranks, you know, organization, we like him, we like him, we like him. You you say all the things, you push him in front of the fans, you, you get a backing behind this kid. And truth be told, this is also a proving ground for the kid itself. I mean, he's been in the league 
big league since what 2013 something of that nature where he was in junction at 2013 i mean that doesn't count as a full year but it's time dude yeah he's been playing pro ball for a while yeah and, dude it's and time he, he's starting to he's starting to hit that that point you talk about leverage and pressure uh I think that the pressure for the Rockies at first base is going to be coming from the other position players in the infield. Nolan Arenado had, had an interesting quote uh, about preparing for potentially a new first baseman. And he said, this offseason, I was kind of worried because I love Mark. Okay, If you have the guy who's potentially going to be the future of your franchise heading into what is more than likely his best chance to win a championship, uh, which we've talked about many times with the core of this this club still being together this possibly being the last year that we're going to have nolan charlie blackman and dj lemayhew all together on this roster and the rockies are willing to play this sort of cat and mouse game with ryan mcmahon or ian desmond at first base uh where you've got two of the best defensive players in the game and nolan arenado at third base and dj lemayhew at second base potentially seeing their defense compromised somewhat by these younger players uh I really want to see whether Nolan continues to advocate for Mark Reynolds uh, because clearly there's some there's some fondness there uh, that the Rockies have to be thinking about. Well, geez, if we're if we're planning on keeping Nolan long term, do we want to try and keep him happy in the short term also? Well, the thing is, usually defense is a young man's game, but McMahon is actually a third baseman learning how to play first base, and so you have that aspect there of of you know this kid that's learning a new position and these other guys in the infield saying dude what are we doing here um you know we're, we're here to compete we're here to to make a run we can't wait on you to figure out how to play first base same thing could be said for ian desmond truth be told fair right but at least ian desmond has proven that he can be an all-star caliber caliber player at multiple positions in the major leagues well, and he's a baller too yeah. I mean, he's just that guy he's the guy with the five o'clock shadow that comes in every day and everybody looks at him and he goes yeah you can play some schoolyard ball go go play first base we yeah got exactly you. And, and you know the yeah. ryan mcmahon situation is further complicated by arnauto's situation because if the rockies are starting to add up the gate receipts and going boy i don't know that we're going to have 350 plus million maybe 400 million to pay this guy do we need ryan mcmahon to be able to play third base for us at some point or do you compromise that pipeline uh potentially needing ryan mcmahon at third base in two or three years because you're trying to force feed him at first base it's a very complicated situation there at first base um but like i said we're starting to see those tea leaves uh thomas harding who covers the rockies for mlb.com he's the embedded writer he's, he's basically that the, the rockies main man there he's got a piece up and he's talking about you know mcmahon ready and and you know ready to take that first step he's got the inside track uh I still personally think that there's going to be a, a move made, whether it be Reynolds uh, or sliding Desmond back in. Uh, I, I like all of the intangibles that, that McMahon has. I like the things that he's done, especially at the plate. But I, I just think this championship window is so, so small for the Rockies. To me, it's a frightening prospect to say that you're going to throw out a kid uh, who, who has you know less than 100 MLB at-bats under his belt and say he's going to help play one of your cornerstone positions for an entire 162-game season and help you get to the playoffs. Well, and, and also typically a position which you need production from. We, you know, the, the Hosmer deal, for example, people are, are screaming because he's a 29-home run guy, a 25-home run guy. And so everybody said, that's too much to pay a first baseman who only hits 29 home runs. And you look at it and you go, man, I hope McMahon can, you know, 
get a key hit in some spaces. And so your expectations all of a sudden drop when you put him into this lineup. You say, okay, can we get production from him? I'm not even sure where he's going to be hitting. Like, you exactly. know, what do yeah, you do with Now, this? instead of instead of having Mark Reynolds hitting in your five right. or six spot, you've got Ryan McMahon hitting in probably your seven or eight spot. Let's get him some fastballs so now, at seven and eight. Yeah, now know? we're shuffling yeah. that lineup up. Now, now, is there some benefit to that? By Does that potentially maybe move Trevor Story up to see a little bit better pitches? May, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, you know, they're, they're already talking about some experimentation that they're going to be looking at with the lineup. They've talked about moving Charlie Blackman down to maybe hitting third in the lineup. Uh, so we're going to see... You know, with with position players reporting today and that first game against the Diamondbacks on Friday, you're going to see Bud Black, I think, do a lot of experimentation. You're going to see a sort of a revolving door of lineups. Don't read too, too much into it uh, in the early on. I really do. In my heart of hearts, I think things are going to settle down, um, whether they make a deal with Carlos Gonzalez or Mark Reynolds or potentially both. Uh, you know, this may just be a little bit of a standoff and, and something gets done with the two of them. Uh, but I think they have had such a good thing going last year in 2017 making that run to the wild card I would be shocked if they couldn't find a way to try and get the band back together and, and make this thing work again. Uh, to me, there's a little fear factor of, oh, are we trying to strike lightning, you know, find lightning in a bottle twice in, in three years by hoping that Ryan McMahon becomes the next Trevor Story when we have a, a what is really a proven commodity in, in Mark Reynolds. He has his downside. We know that. He strikes out a little bit too much. Uh, but at the same time, it is do you take that trust factor and say, I'll take the strikeouts because I trust this guy and because he's such a good defensive player. Can I'm going to actually ask you a question out of this. How much of this can be solved through spring training? So let's say, let's say some of these McMahon all of a sudden rakes in spring training and you have, um, you know, doll just showing up and doing different things. Does that seal the fate for Carlos Gonzalez and Mark Reynolds or does this even does it even matter? Well, let's look back at the last two years and, and you tell me whether over the long haul over these two years, these things proved out. Who are the two guys that came out and won jobs in spring training in 2016 and 2017? Trevor Story. Right. And Trevor Story really had that door open for him because Daniel Descalso right. suffered that hand injury. Um, I think Daniel Descalso probably would have been your opening day shortstop were it not for that hand injury although story just played out of his mind that spring won the job and then obviously as hot as he came out of the gates uh there was no way that you could stop playing him um at that point because he just he was he was playing so so well 2017 it was Antonio Sensatella right kid who had never even pitched in triple a had a lights out spring they really liked what they saw from him ended up in the starting rotation what happened with both of those players over the second half of their rookie season? They regressed to the mean. They, they were, yeah. Trevor Story obviously suffered a little bit of a freak injury. He had that mm -hmm. thumb injury that kept him off. Um, in 2017, we saw all the weaknesses that we knew were there, uh, but had somewhat been masked by his newness in the league, right? Uh, pitchers found out that he cannot hit a curveball. They found out that he will chase balls low and away, and they attacked that very aggressively last year. Trevor Story had a moderately good second season. I think we set a, a very difficult standard for him based on what we saw in the first half of 2016, but what we saw was the real Trevor Story in 2017. 2017 also showed us in the second half that Antonio Sensatella did have less than 50 innings pitched at the AA level right. when they had to back him completely off uh, because he didn't have the legs and the arm stamina to 
continue for a full major league season after missing most of the previous year uh, with with an injury. So I caution against that because David Dahl, we've seen the injury history, right? We Dahl's sure. interesting because it's an every other year thing. It's an even year, so we expect David Dahl to be great. We also expect the Giants to be great. Sure. Uh, <laughs> David Dahl uh, has the potential to earn that job. And I think, you know, given what we saw in that half of a season in 2016, um, especially with him being a position player, he's more likely to go in and steal a job. Uh, but, but Ryan McMahon, I, I just, like I said, I, I just, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous to think that Ryan McMahon uh, can walk out there and, and contribute for 162 games. I just don't know that that's going to be resolved because what you're likely to see is even if he comes out hot or has some, some strong moments, you're still going to see, like you said, that regression to the mean. Well, and let me put my tinfoil hat on right now with McMahon for a second. If you're a Nolan Arenado fan, you want McMahon to be playing first base right now, and you want him to ball out and be your first baseman. Why is that? Because then he's not sitting in the back of the room, and that's the club's uh, savior for if Nolan leaves. So you think that that putting McMahon at first base and making that move signals we're going in long term on we're all in on Nolan. Okay, I, and I and I would tend to agree with that. Uh, certainly, Pat Valeka presents an option there, uh, but but I would tend to agree that I think by by making that shift, you you've taken your insurance policy and cashed it in, so to speak. Uh, we talked. There's one other name that I want to talk about just briefly uh, because we talked about DJ LeMahieu. We talked about Charlie Blackman. We've we've mentioned on this podcast previously uh, that we view Dahl as almost the 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 future Charlie Blackman, the Charlie Blackman to be. Uh, you know, we've talked about McMahon. Uh, I mentioned just briefly a moment ago Valeka uh, potentially filling in for Nolan if if Nolan ends up being too expensive for the Rockies to afford. Uh, but the one guy that it's looking more and more likely that will not be around after this year is DJ LeMahieu. Uh, gold glove second baseman, uh, all-star second baseman, but he may just end up being the odd man out. The irony is that he's going to be the cheapest of the three, <laughs> uh, but he may just end up being the odd man out, and that is because the Rockies are absolutely in love with what they have seen from Brendan Rodgers. Uh, hit a staggering 336 in just his 20-year-old season, uh, his age 20 season, 336 between Class A, Advanced Lancaster, and A Hartford. So at 20 years old, that kid was already uh, up in A, 18 home runs, a 567 slugging percentage, 64 RBIs combined between those two. Uh, we saw him in the Futures game. He is a slick fielding player, and they're putting him almost exclusively at second base. Clearly, to me, that writing on the wall is, DJ, thanks for all you've done for this club, uh, but Brendan Rodgers is going to be the Rockies shortstop in 2019, or I'm sorry, uh, second baseman in 2019. What do you need to see from Brendan Rodgers in this, what is officially his first big league camp? What I would actually like to see from him is him to go over and flip sides of the field and go ahead and take some balls at shortstop, <laughs> to be honest with you. And then go and get the checkbook out and pay DJ because then you have Nolan, you have Rodgers, you have DJ LeMayhew. Go pay for Mark Reynolds and holy cow, let's roll on this thing. But that's the difference between a huge market team like, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox and the reality that is the Colorado Rockies. Sure. Now, you can't, you can't knock what the Rockies have been doing. Okay, I like it. I like it just fine. What you want to see out of him is you want to see him play the game of baseball. Okay, when when you're down at those levels and you're raking like that, you're just a hitter. Okay, you're just – I want to see him work counts. 
I want to see him work with some different things. I want to see him try and hit hit and run. I want to see him do some some things positionally. I want to see him play the game of baseball and dig deeper into the game of baseball. That sounds very baseball-y of me. You know, that sounds yeah. kind of snootery, if you will. <laughs> but l- listen, I, I want to see him work the count. I want to see him look at some pitches because they're going to get the book on him. And they're going to pitch to his weaknesses. I want to see him work on those weaknesses. I want to see him inside-out balls. I want to see him do different things with the bat and become proficient at being a hitter and and being a professional. Well, that's what you have to be mindful of with Brendan Rodgers. And and we'll caution not to be too overly excited about Brendan (laughs) Rodgers because, look, the kid is clearly a talent. And, and, you know, you watch him play and – I think he can be every bit as good defensively as as DJ LeMayhew. I know you like the idea of sliding him over to shortstop, uh, but you know I I think the reality is what they saw from Trevor Story in 2016 and and the flashes that they saw in 2017. He's so strong defensively. I I really think it's going to be a hard uh, play to try and wrestle that job away from him. But here's the thing that I look for this year. Uh, obviously, Rodgers is going to be in his first big league camp, but the expectation is that he will be starting the year in Hartford, mm-hmm. right? There was a stretch of time last year where Brendan Rodgers was the youngest player in the Eastern League, the youngest player in the Eastern League, and yet he still performed very, very well there. Which is they, a young league. Right, and they want to see, and they want <laughs> to see him, they want to see what he can do uh, to start out a season in the Eastern League. But here's the thing that I caution about Brendan Rodgers and what he's potentially going to do this year. The Eastern League is not a pitcher-friendly league because of the cold weather early on in the season. Guys are not up to speed. So my fear is that it, so that league very much favors hitters early, early on in in the year, right? Because, you know, it's it's cold. You know, guys are still, they, they want to be careful. They want to be mindful. Um, you're going to see shorter innings from pitchers, things like that. Uh, so hitters have an opportunity to really rake early on in the season if they can get themselves warmed up and and carry over anything that they've got from spring training into the early part of the season. So let's say Brendan Rodgers is really, really strong and ends up getting pushed on to AAA. Well, now he's going to be hitting off of pitchers that he hasn't seen before. Yes, that leap from AA to AAA is very different, but they're also not going to have a book on him. You could see a situation like we saw with McMahon last year where Rodgers potentially looks really, really strong in in those two and then comes up for his little cup of coffee. You can't be misled if he comes out of the gate really, really strong in double A and then also plays well in triple A simply because, again, we talk about, you know, guys coming up early. And, and, you know, that's kind of been the theme of this with these young players is, hey, they look really good early. What happens the the fourth or fifth or sixth time a pitcher gets to see these guys and work through them and, and has some film on them? Um, that, you know, you don't want to get too overly excited about what Brendan Rodgers can do. Uh, But boy, it seems like they're really going to put him on the fast track, knowing that potentially DJ could be gone next year. Well, and that's the the thing. I I need to see him become a major leaguer. And it's not really fair to the young kid because now now is going to be his time where he faces major league talent and he knows Armstrong. You were talking about the the weak pitching. There's, There's a list two miles long 
of guys who absolutely just crushed it. They were brought up in July because of contracts or whatever it was. And then all of a sudden you see this giant jump down and sometimes it ruins guys. Yeah. It just absolutely crushes some of these kids. I want to see him be able to do different things with the bat. I, I know that's not that's not the new way to look at things. You're supposed <laughs> to just swing the same way every time and all this. I want to see him do different things as a professional and work on his craft and maybe try some different things. Maybe look ugly from time to time. Just, you know, try some different things and become that professional, and that will make him better when he's ready to go. You you touched on the Eastern League. Man, you you hit that so dead on the head. It's not you're gonna have pitchers go two and a third. Yeah, it's it's just reality. It's, it's that are working on their changeup only. And there's some benefit to the Rockies having a having a, a minor league club in the Eastern yes. League because there are so many similarities in Hartford, Connecticut, as there are to Denver, Colorado. Um, having lived back east, I can I can speak to that. Uh, you know, you'll get those occasional April blizzards that come through, and and you know you're. F- playing in the freezing cold for for the first you know half of you know half month of the season if if not longer um you talked about what what rogers what you want to see him do with the bat and and i would wholeheartedly agree with that and i think you have your power stroke in your middle infielders with trevor story there's no doubt about that trevor story is not a high average guy he is a uh he's a gap hitter he's a power hitter and brendan rogers has to be your contact guy you have to keep a player like that in the roster, um, what I like about Rogers, you know, a little bit shorter than DJ LeMahieu at just six feet tall, uh, but very similar type of swing. In when you say you need a guy who can do multiple things with the bat, uh, you, you know, I know that's not the you, you said. Oh, I know that's not the mentality anymore. Well, tell that to DJ LeMahieu who, right. who won a batting title, uh, yep. being able to go the other way, uh, move the ball all over the yard, find the hole. Uh, DJ LeMahieu is is an old school contact hitter and I think that's really they need that type of a player on this roster uh, Brendan Rodgers I think projects to be more of that um, type of a hitter than a guy who's just going to quote unquote rake who's just going to get out there and, and you know bounce balls off of the outfield wall well and unfortunately you're trying to replace one of the one of the best professionals in all of the major leagues right now in DJ LeMahieu I mean DJ LeMahieu is I I worry a little bit with him being potentially the guy that's kept off this roster because I also think he's the guy that you might take five more cuts because he's in the room or you might end up fielding six more ground balls because DJ told you to. Yep. I think DJ LeMahieu is the guy almost you know we talk about Peyton Manning how he was a leader um, and his work ethic and everything else. DJ LeMahieu is that guy that he walks into the room and all of a sudden you say, oh, I got to finish my rep because he is a, he works, dude, constantly. He is working nonstop. Yeah. He works at his craft. He does things that other guys aren't even willing to do. Yeah, he and Charlie Blackman are yeah. cut from that exact same cloth. They're, they are one and the same. Uh, you know, for those of you who aren't able to be in the, the Rockies clubhouse postgame, uh, if we want to talk to Charlie or to DJ, we have to specifically ask PR to go get them because they're chowing down on their post-game meal and getting their post-game lift and or workout in. Um, or they're taking more cuts or they're taking more reps because they had a bad night at the, <laughs> at the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you, you don't see those guys every single day in the major leagues. And I think they, you know, not every guy can be that guy. Uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes people just don't have the, you know, they don't have the, the physical makeup to be able to do that. Uh, but knowing that you have those guys, like you said, taking those five extra cuts because DJ might be watching, uh, you know, running that extra uh, sprint because Charlie's out there doing the same thing, um, you know, taking care of your body. Going to bed at nine o'clock at night instead of, you know, going out to the bar for for a quick cocktail in the hotel lobby. Um, Those things matter over the course of 162 game season. Charlie Blackman and DJ LeMayhew uh, are absolutely the guys that make those things happen for the Colorado Rockies. And so you're right. um, You know, I don't want this podcast to become an ongoing lament of, oh, gosh, we're going to be losing Charlie and, and DJ because that may not necessarily be the case. I mean, that w- we still have a sure. lot to, to look at, but you know, with so many questions uh, in the outfield, uh, with the questions that we have at first base, uh, to me, the the linchpin in all of those is what is the long term plan with those big three, with Nolan, Charlie, and DJ, and we're going to have to keep going back to that over and over again until we turn the page and have this opening day roster and know exactly who's on the club, and we can say, okay, this is who they have now. This is the direction that they're going. Let's interpret what that means, and now let's put our focus onto the. 20- 2018 season and getting back to the playoffs. We're fortunate because we're sitting here in the confines of the Mile High Sports Studios, nice and warm while it's cold outside. We can speculate about those things while those guys can just worry about making the club. Uh, We get to have the fun job of playing uh, the tea leave readers and uh, whatnot. So, uh, Benny, thank you so much for this. Really excited about today because, again, like we said, position players report. We will have an official, actual, real baseball game on Friday, Rockies and Diamondbacks. So we'll be previewing that. We'll look forward uh, a little bit more to a a larger picture look at the season, not just these positional breakdowns on Thursday ahead of that first spring training game, that first Cactus League game between the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. That podcast will be up on Thursday, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, Again, this is the Blake Street Irregulars podcast presented by Tap 14 at 1920 Blake Street, just one half block from Coors Field with 70 Colorado beers on tap and 100 Colorado distilled spirits. Amazing American Alpine fare that is locally sourced and rotates seasonally. We will be there on Thursdays uh, beginning during the regular season doing our podcasts from the terrific rooftop patio. Uh, Also a great place to check out March Madness, which is right around the corner. Follow them on Twitter at Tap xiv or online at tap14.com benny you have a radio show to do so i will let you go uh folks please tune in to benny bash on mile high sports and 1340 fm 1047 or streaming at milehighsports.com or on the new mile high sports app benny thank you so much for joining us thanks casey